Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Talking Sports and Stuff and Things with Chuck. I am your host, ironically, Chuck. Only only I am not alone today. Uh, we're giving something a shot here, so bear with us if we have some technical difficulties. But I also have on the line here, via satellite, from Charlotte, North Carolina, I have one, the one and only, John Billick. John, hello. Hey, Chuck. How we doing? What is happening? All right. So, yeah, check it out. We're uh, literally giving us a shot for the first time. Uh, we just figured it out within the last four minutes. <laughs> we're going to just go ahead and see what happens uh, because I felt with after the Browns game Sunday, uh, I, I felt like I needed some help. I needed some backup. I wasn't sure I could express myself the way I wanted to all alone. So I called in the only person I thought I could count on in such a scenario which is you, John. So thank you very much for uh, hopping on. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. I know we've been uh, discussing this for, for a few weeks now just to, to mess around with it. and Hopefully it turns out well and maybe kick something off. Yeah, yeah. We'll absolutely well, see how it goes for sure. Let me ask you, are you having fun with this yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually having a blast with it. I, uh, I have a really good time for one. Uh, I think as we've talked about, it helps me feel better when I'm done. Like sometimes I actually don't want to go sit down and record just because if, you know, I'm mad at the Browns or I'm mad at the Indians or, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be, I, I kind of like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't even know if I want to, but when I'm finished, uh, I, a, I just feel better because even though I, you know, am sitting here talking to myself for the most part, it does make me feel better. So yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, just hearing feedback from people and, you know, running into people who I know listen to it. Or as a matter of fact, a uh, quick shout out to uh, Springfield local Tigers, but uh, my alma mater, my high school going for the state championship playing. Hey, there the you state. go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a good friend of mine from high school uh, shot me a text asking me if I was going to the game. And the reason why he did that was because, he said, yeah, I heard on your last podcast, you said you might go to the game. So I thought I'd check with you and see if you were going. That is awesome. Yeah. See, like, there you go. You got, you got the audience for it. So. <laughs> right. I'm like, sweet. That means he listens. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe feel pretty and, good. And he stays up to date. It sounds like. Yeah, obviously, because that was just, you know, a week ago. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, to answer your question, having a good time with it's a lot of fun. Uh, just a good way to, you know, keep talking. Cause we know that's what I like to do. Yeah. So, and it's great. And, and from my perspective, it's, it's, it's cool to, to listen in on it. So um, I, you have the, the outgoing personality to kind of nail this thing. So I'm, I'm sticking by and, and hopefully I can hold my own in this, in this <laughs> empire that you've built so far. Yes. Yes. The raging Chuck talks a lot empire. Uh, you got a following. That's for sure. That's right. At least got a little following. We'll see if we can increase it any. Uh, so speaking of that, for anybody listening, maybe it's your first time, maybe you're just jumping in, uh, go to chucktalksalot.com. Uh, you can subscribe there to all the platforms, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, most of them are on there, also on YouTube. Uh, you can also go to um, see me on Facebook, of course, talking sports and stuff and thing with Chuck. Get me on Twitter at, at ChuckGoBrowns or at ChuckTalksalot. Also, shoot me an email. Chuck talks a lot. That's right. Go figure. It's Chuck talk a lot. Chuck, Chuck talks a lot at gmail.com. Okay. All of that being out of the way, John, let's get right down to business. So 
obviously at the forefront of everything is the fact that we lost to the hated, absolutely just, I don't even, I won't go any further. We lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. So let's start it off, first of all, with um, of the game. We'll give a quick, just a quick synopsis here. I mean, you know, it's fairly obvious, right? Uh, we come out to the 10-point lead. I was feeling good. I'm sure you were feeling good. Uh, absolutely pumped thinking, oh, man, 10 nothing. Here we go. The route is on. We're a much better team. We're going to take this game. It's going to be great. And it just was a calamity of errors uh, that ensued from there on after, really, uh, with the fact that uh, the corners just forgot how to cover jump balls that were flying through the air um, that just really should have never been caught. They should have been intercepted or at the very most broken up. Um, In the second half, Freddie Kitchens forgot how to hand the ball off, which is a very disappointing ongoing trend. And, you know, you just kind of felt it slipping away even though we did have the moment at the end, we got the ball back. Uh, I will say I was as usual, extremely hopeful and excited and thought we could take it. And, you know, until the interception ended it. So, I mean, quit synopsis, just super disappointed. We're the much better team. And uh, I was just uh, lost, felt like one of the worst losses we've had since we've been back. Well, I think the, the, the biggest reason that we feel that way is, not necessarily because we were the better team and lost the game, not because we jumped out to a quick lead. It's because everybody sees the writing on the wall after that loss. It's playoffs were kind of in the distant for us in distance for us as it was. Mm -hmm. And then this loss comes in and it just sort of brings it to a grinding halt. Like we need so much to happen if we're going to consider thinking possibly maybe about the playoffs. And that's, I think that just sort of sucked the wind out of the whole, um, the game itself. It, it was just such a bad ending to the game, but the, the bigger picture behind it sort of made it seem much, much worse, not to mention, you know, or just throwing in the fact that it was the Steelers as well. Um, I mean, that, that, that's something that always stings and yeah, it, to, to go behind the curtain for, for the listeners, um, I usually have my phone on silent during Browns games. I hate talking to people because I don't like having the interaction while I'm trying to watch the game because somebody usually says something that sets me off and then my, mood, <laughs> my mood is shot for the rest of the, the game. Um, but after the game, Chuck and I usually text a little bit and, and sort of uh, vent our frustrations and poor performances and celebrate the good performances. Um, I don't believe we talked on Sunday evening. No, and we did not. I'd, I was planning on, since I was in the area for, for Thanksgiving, I was planning on swinging by to, to, to see you guys that night. And I'm like, I'd better not. Um, not sure how, <laughs> how this, is, this evening's going to go. And, and so, yeah, that, that's sort of a, a, an overview of how that day went from, you know, diehard Browns fans' perspectives. Yeah, and you're right. I mean – I don't think there would have been any good that could have came uh, from you coming uh, back to the house that day as we would have just sat here and sat and wallowed and soaked and salt in, yeah. in our own pity that we felt because as everyone knows that has listened to me and knows me and sees me on social media and what have you, um, you know, maybe they aren't as aware with you, John, but, you know, John's uh, fandom is in the exact same threshold as my own, whereas uh 
whether it be right or wrong or indifferent, that doesn't matter. Uh, these things affect our lives. Okay. <laughs> um, we both know that it's a problem and we both also know that we're never going to be able to change it, nor necessarily do we want to. Yeah. Fan uh, is short for fanatic. So that's correct. And, uh, we accept it at this point. That's right. Well, I mean, it's a part and, you know, uh, obviously uh, plays into our friendship very much is our, our fandom and our sport. Absolutely. You know, there's no question about it. Um, feed off of that. It's great. But, you know, so speaking of the fact that we both just said uh, how much it hurts uh, because, you know, it, it's that much worse because it's the Steelers. I mean, but you're right. I mean, to your point, no question the fact that knowing, you know, we win that game, we're like not in the driver's seat of the playoffs, but boy, we, we're at least in the, the passenger the seat. You know, we're in the front of the car looking out the windshield and like you said, that really puts it in the back, puts us in the back seat, if not almost in the trunk at this point. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this then. Um, uh-huh. I know we've mentioned this briefly, but we didn't really get to dig in. Like, are the Pittsburgh Steelers our rival? So the way the way that you put that question, I'd say yes, because okay. I sincerely believe that Browns fans, uh, for the most part, now I'm sure there are going to be naysayers and individuals that that say otherwise. But from a Browns fan perspective, from the organization's perspective, the history of the two teams, that is considered a rivalry for the Cleveland Browns. I'm not sure if the Pittsburgh Steelers feel that way anymore. And I think that's where a lot of the debate comes into play is because we haven't been good over the last 25 years. Um, So you kind of have to have – both sides of it to consider it a rivalry, I guess, if you're, if you're in the, uh, if you're in on the good side of it. So yeah. Right. So like the, the Steelers looking down, you know, we're the little brother for, for that, you know, analogy. And they're like, yeah, it's not really a rivalry because we kick the crap out of you all the time. But for us, it's like, we hate you. We are striving to beat you. We want to do everything we can to beat you. And until we do, we're going to, take this as seriously as we can. But I, I, I think there's two schools of thought there. And, and from a Browns perspective, I do believe that as a rival, but I don't think the feelings mutual. Yeah. And that's totally fair. I mean, I've tried, I've tried to think about it, but the way you just put that actually just helped my thought process because you're right. I, I hate the Steelers. I mean, they're my most hated sports franchise out of any franchise, more than the Ravens, more whatever, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And I know you're in agreement with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're my most hate. So I guess in the fact of that, you know, one, it makes them our rival because they always were from the time, you know, we were kids. It was Brown Steelers, whatever. And then, yeah, you're right. Obviously, not only not only have they beat us, I don't even know that just them owning us over the past, you know, like you said, 20 years, whatever it is. It, it's also the fact that, like, we've just been so bad that, like, Nobody hates us. Like, does anybody hate the Browns? That's like, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I do. I do come across. Well, until recently, recently. I have come across people that are like, yeah, we, we kind of like to see the Browns win. That's fun. It's always fun for you guys. Right. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is very fun. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your sympathy in this trying time. But yeah, and you're right. It, it changed a little bit this year where at first everyone was happy about it. And then. You know, all of a sudden, everyone kind of started turning on the Browns, which was fine. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, that part doesn't bother me. But I guess I guess to have a rivalry, there has to be some kind of like hatred towards the team. And 
I guess if you're a Steeler fan, you know, why would you hate the Browns? <laughs> I, especially, especially considering like the, the generation that's, you know, I, I hate having to go like refer to social media for all this, but, but you don't see like the, the rivalry type things between the Browns and Steelers on most social media because the generation that primarily uses social media has never seen the rivalry. Like Correct. you said, right. the way you put it is, is when we were kids, it was Brown Steelers and we hated the Steelers. Our, our families hated the Steelers and stuff like that. So we grew up in that when we were young and we were impressionable. And ever since, you know, it's been one-sided and that's all that this generation that's out there now has seen. And I'm dating myself by saying this. And I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm talking like I'm, I'm an old man at this point, but <laughs> that like, like, and, and, and to touch on the Ravens for a quick second, like how many people like Steelers, they probably see the Ravens as their rivals by, by comparison. It seems like um, that's what they but, always say when it comes but how, but how many of these, that this generation, how many of them know that the Browns were the Ravens or vice versa? Right. You right, know, like, right. So that's, that's the other thing is like the, the Browns go back to 1946 but then there's their three-year window where they didn't exist, and people don't know that that time period didn't happen. Right. And then the Ravens were there the whole time. They, they developed this rivalry with the Steelers, and the Browns came back, and they've sucked ever since. And it's like, well, yeah, we, we had battles with the Ravens, but they, you know, they came out of nowhere. We didn't you – know, but, yeah, they were the Browns. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they, the rivalry may have continued with that franchise – but it started as the Brown Steelers and we very much appreciate the Brown Steelers rivalry, but I don't think uh, others do. Yeah. And that, that's very, that's very well uh, put. I mean, there's a hundred percent. That's it. And that just debate was going around over the last several days, you know, on sports talk and also social media and stuff. And so I just wanted to at least get it out there because I guess you're right. The Steelers are our rival. We're probably not theirs right now. Um, you know, uh, I've had a lot of different people give me different, you know, input as to what they think that would take. I really just think it would take the Browns being, yeah, I think if the Browns would have won Sunday, uh, it would have been, we would have been right back at it. It would have uh, helped. I think, yeah. I, I think to, to earn their respect enough, I guess, and, and this is just me speculating, but to, to earn their respect enough to be a rivalry again, I have to, I have to believe we have to win a division championship like we have to run away with a division title or we have to beat the Steelers to win a division title something along those lines so they could take the Browns seriously again and then right. maybe maybe you start having some some hard-fought November December games with them again and then they can kind of tie those into the rivalries from the 70s and 80s and and then sort of re-educate the the fan bases on what this rivalry actually is you know from our perspective Sure. Yeah, that, that's very true as well. I think, uh, you know, it has to be probably, unfortunately, I guess I just want it to be fixed in a season. And you're right. That probably isn't going to happen because you're going to need a to beat them B uh, important games, not only just beat them, you need important games when you beat them like yesterday, be, or I'm sorry, not yesterday, Sunday being an example uh, or, beat, you know, other games late in the season and then on their own building. Yeah. Beat them in their building for once ever. Uh, you know, 16 times in a row now, I believe, was the number. Yeah, 2003, I believe, was the last time that the Browns won in Pittsburgh. That is something else. And the other thing is, too, you know, you we need to be in the playoffs when they're not. Uh, you know, they need to watch us play in the playoffs once. I think yeah. that, 
that would be uh, another big thing. But yeah, I think, I mean, basically, yeah, sums it up. They don't look at us as their rival and probably shouldn't. And that's fair enough because for all those reasons we just mentioned. So, um, you know, either way, they're my rival and I hate them. So they can <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Point taken. Um, and I agree. Yeah. So um, anyway, so back more to um, the, the stuff at hand that actually means something. Um, you know, one thing that always bothered me about Steelers and their fans was uh, or maybe just not just the Steelers and their fans. I shouldn't say that, but. It was always this thing about, uh, you know, the Steelers are a better organization. Um, they're just an organization. I always kind of hated that term. Like, you know, I don't look – it's not – like the organization isn't a thing. It's not It's not a thing that can control what happens. It's not a – you know, I, I just kind of viewed the organization as if it was supposed to be a, a person, so to speak. But I really think I just had this epiphany on Sunday. That, um, I totally saw what – that means after all this time of hearing it and people talking about it, I finally got a grip on what everyone's been saying. When you say organization, it's, it's, it is owner. And then it's down to who he hires in place as a GM and then who they hire as a coach and they all work collectively and so on. And when you have that, my goodness, you know, we have been beating ourselves up over all these years about wanting a quarterback, wanting this, wanting that. And, you know, we can have our differences about Baker Mayfield, people out there, whether he's good, bad, or indifferent, don't care. But the Browns roster has a lot of talent, and we'll get back to that here in a second. But we still don't have someone who knows what to do with it. And to flip the script on that, we just played a team on Sunday with a third-string quarterback, undrafted football player, backup wide receivers, backup running back, backup center. I mean, just backups everywhere. And we could do nothing with it. We had no one to lead what we had on the field to do anything with the talent we have. We had nobody there that could lead those guys. And it just showed. It, it, I just had this awakening as to, my goodness. So I guess my first question to you is, what do you think happens in that game if we give the Steelers our coaching staff and we take the Steelers coaching staff? What do you think happens? Uh, I, th- the opposite. We we kick the crap out of the Steelers, the right? Browns, it, it, it to to follow up on what you were, were going with, and I think I know where you're going with it is that the Steelers were all one unit on Sunday. They were all one army, so to speak. They had they had everything in line, and it was just when when you hear the term "next man up," the next man comes in and follows suit exactly as the guy did before. Maybe maybe he doesn't play as well, or maybe he doesn't follow the instructions as well. And maybe he, he misses assignments here and there based on just talent, skill, experience, whatever. But the mentality is there that I'm on a team of 53 guys that know exactly what they're playing for coached by a a group of men and potentially women that know what they're coaching and know what their responsibilities are. And there's one, there's one continued focus for everybody within that, that team and that organization, as you said, um, whereas the Browns, you, you might have 75 different directions that these people are thinking. And, and that's very eye-opening and it's very frustrating and it's very difficult to, to deal with on a weekly basis. And it, I was jotting some things down to prepare for this. And, and I, I literally went through every game and just highlighted a couple of things that, that jump out on the page showing that, they're not a, a collective unit in Cleveland that that team is not on the same page 
from top to bottom. And we can sit here and argue about who's responsible for that and, and where, where it gets broken apart and, and who's doing what and why. And we could, we could just, we could talk for hours on that. Sure, but, no doubt. But going back to, to your, if you, if you flip the, the script a little bit and you have a group of, of coaches and players that are all as, as our beloved Baker says on a singular focus, you can plug and play guys in due to injury, due to suspension, due to, due to whatever. And you're still going to have the same type of product, although it may be, it may differ depending on, on how uh, important that particular person is, but they all know what they're playing for. They all know what they're coaching for. And, and that comes from, from a, a strong sound organization. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you're right. There's so many signs that we're going in different directions. I, I, I have no other recourse, I guess, but to, I, I mean, I have to blame a head coach at this point because I have to blame someone and, and it could be right. It could be wrong. Just like, you know, quarterbacks get too much blame when the team loses and they get too much praise when they win. It's probably the same way with the head coach, but you know, I, I guess I would look at it as in, like you just said, if we had a different coaching staff, if we had Mike Tomlin and, and they had Freddie kitchens, like you said, I, I feel like we kicked their butt. Um, so like, I got into a debate uh, on social media right after the game because uh, I usually like to get on there and air it out right away. Uh, probably not the best idea, but it's what I do. Um, <laughs> if, if, if it... Yeah, I mean, you know, get, do what you got to do. And I got into a debate on there where, some, you know, I was commenting on how, you know, talented the Browns are, yet here we are, you know, five wins and out of the playoffs pretty much and so on. And, and I got into a debate because somebody jumped in to tell me, how the Browns aren't even talented. Uh, they're they're a mediocre, talented team at best, and Baker is a mediocre quarterback. So I, at first we went back and forth, and, and of course Baker became the thing of it because, you know, I'm the Baker defender of, <laughs> of war. But uh, I said, okay, let's leave Baker out of it then because that's too much of a controversial uh, thing. But when I list, you know, I got up to like 11 players on the Browns that I consider to be at the top of their – position uh regardless of what that position is they're around the league they're towards the top of their position and i was still told that well that's only 11 players that's not i'm like well it's 50 percent of your starting people on the field okay. so and I, what i would what i'm getting at with that is the fact that we just both admitted that obviously if we switch coaching staffs we're going to win and we both agree we have a talented team because i believe that the person i was arguing with is just completely in left field over there by themselves i mean you just can't when you can rattle off OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, um, you know, obviously Miles Garrett when we had him, uh, Ogan Joby, uh, Richardson, you know, the, um, Schobert, Ward, on and on. When you can rattle it off, we obviously have talent. So to me, I almost want to say I was, I think the talent's even greater than I anticipated because the five games that we won, we won with our talent despite the coaching. You know, in spite of the lack of the coaching or where the coaching is so obviously poor, we still have won five games. So I all of a sudden turned around and thought I, we're even more talented than I thought. Because if our roster was the roster we've had in years past, we're over again right now like we did before. Yeah, I agree. Um, a, a funny little uh, thing about listing the players, the, the, the talented players. You know, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a show I listen to where – they say if you can, however many players you can name in five seconds, 
that should be how many wins that team can have in a single season. Oh, it's good. A funny, a funny little game that these guys play. You and I can't do this with the Browns because we could list you know, <laughs> 25 of the guys right away. Right. That's how, how into it we are. But the fact that you just rattled off, you know, six, seven names and they're all near top of the league. Um, that, that explains a lot. And it, to your point about the, the coaching being the, the big difference, it, I, I can't argue that. And I can't necessarily defend what's been going on. Um, it, it is extremely frustrating because they, they, they do have immense talent, especially compared to, to years past. And, and even just two, three years ago when, when the one in 31 stretch where it was, who the hell are these guys? Like, <laughs> right. It was, it was a collection of early major league uh, Cleveland Indians. <laughs> yes. The guys they're calling that are, that are in hangovers from, you know, Arizona, just trying to put bodies on the roster, it seemed. And that's how they were, they were okay with it because it got them the number one pick two consecutive years. And by all counts, at least the way we feel, they cashed in on those two guys that, that they got the number one pick with. Um, but it, it is concerning that, that the, the coaching has been such a topic of conversation, so to speak, this year. Um, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it. And, and, you know, like I said, when I was jotting down notes. I was going game by game for, for a stretch. And there's so many things that, that stand out that happen to be coaches' decisions. And it's, I don't know, it, it's frustrating and, and I think out of our seven losses, uh, five of them or four of them, I can't remember the exact number, were a one score or less. Right. And you think about some of the coaching decisions that were made in that game. And you can also point to some of the players' errors. Sure, sure. Like there are a lot of little things here and there that obviously swing. And, and you hear the, the anecdote that there are four or five plays a game that usually decide the outcome. And unfortunately, a lot of those have gone against us because – of coaching decisions or miscommunication on the field between players or coaches or, or what have you. And yeah, it's, 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 I think that's the, the, the biggest disappointment of the year so far is we have to blame somebody for it. And the easiest person to blame is the coach. <laughs> right. Because well, we we've seen, we haven't seen this kind of talent before and we just, we expected them to roll the balls out and be, uh, be an elite team and, and we're far from it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's what I was going to get to next. So you led me right into it. So, you know, on one hand, you know, we need to remember or just think about, okay, so were our expectations too high? Okay. Maybe they were, I mean, you know, yes, we have a lot of talent, but it's a lot. There's a lot of that talent young and our coach is a first year head coach. Right. Mm -hmm. So I looked at it. I tried to look at it. You know, I always try to look, put the shoe on the other foot. So, um, is we don't, so would you say, I guess to put it, make it make sense. I'll look at it this way. Uh, greedy Williams, right? I mean, do you think greedy Williams is pretty good? I think he's pretty good. Yeah. I think he's pretty good. Uh, he struggled a little bit. He's a rookie. Yeah. He's a rookie. So there you go. You, that's exactly what I was getting at. I'm so glad you said that. So you look at greedy, he's made some mistakes. But we're like, man, he's got he's got good chance. Like he's good, but hey, he's a rookie, man. Like we wouldn't say cut greedy Williams because he's a rookie. He he gets at least another season or two to figure it out. Well, why does a coach not get the same? Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. And and that's the the the, the dilemma that 
at least I'm going through, and I'm sure it's something you're going through as well, and, and plenty of others is, do you, do you turn this into a, a Rob Chudzinski situation? Like you, and, and that's not to say that Rob Chudzinski, it, it's, it's comparing apples to oranges because I think Rob Chudzinski was dealt a bad hand in terms of a roster back. He only had the one year and got fired. Sure. Um, in a poor season. And um, Freddie's got, you know, the, the, the team of teams that we've seen in Cleveland. Um, but I also think that it was such an odd transition period for the Haslam at the time with all of the different hirings and firings that they were trying to go through that they, they weren't entirely prepared to deal with the firestorm of, you know, personnel changes in such a big swooping, like they, th- they perhaps they thought that, you know, you fire the coach, that's it. But then you bring in a new coach who wants to bring in his own coaches, who wants to bring in their own players, who want to bring in their own. And, and then you're, you're cycling through 75, 80 people in a right. matter of two, three months. And I think that that's sort of, that was a major learning experience for the Haslam family. So to, to, to my point there is I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards them giving Freddie another opportunity to get this right because this team is so talented. But then I'm also on the fence of like, we've just discussed all the coaching issues that happened this year and that have cost us games and potentially an opportunity to go to the playoffs. And it's, it's just so frustrating that it's such a thin line on that. Like, and, and it seems every, with every game, Freddie's dancing on one side or the other, like, <laughs> yes, he's doing the right thing here or he's doing enough here to, to warrant having another year to get this right. Or he's doing something that's like, why are you even an NFL head coach? And that's and again, that's another disappointment for this year so far. And it, it, it's it's tough to it's tough to have that kind of discussion in all honesty. Yeah, it, obviously because it pains our soul. Um, because it, you know, right now here we are, we're having head coach conversation, and you know what comes right behind that um, draft conversation. Right. And I'm not supposed to be talking about those anymore. You know, after last year, the way the season ended and how good that season went, second half, and just how good we felt. I just didn't think that I'd be doing the same thing I've done the last 25 seasons, which is talk about whether or not we should keep the coach. And then eventually we're going to talk about which offensive lineman we should draft with like our whatever 12th or 13th pick or wherever we end up. Now, um, now I, I did want to, to, to bring this up. I did have this to, to mention mm-hmm. um, back to the Freddie situation. Uh, Jeremy Fowler, who's an ESPN reporter uh, for the NFL tweeted out earlier this week that, the Browns front office expected um, this to be a sort of uh, difficult season, so to speak. They, they didn't anticipate uh, a massive uh, explosion and they didn't expect the team to go 12 and four, 13 and three, 11 and five or whatever, and, and just roll through the season into the playoffs. At least, now these are, you know, secondhand reports. So take them for whatever they're worth. And, that's kind of my only solace in this whole Freddie situation. If they do give him another year is they're letting him sort of work out the kinks right? For, in his first season. They're letting him get, get his feet underneath him so that he understands what the roles and responsibilities are of a head coach. So then he can pre- better prepare himself for year two and, and better prepare himself to utilize the weapons that they have accumulated. And I guess that's sort of, maybe that's just me being naive and optimistic 
going into to, <laughs> to, to, to the rest of the season and into the off season. But I, I, if, if any of that's true from Jeremy Fowler, I think that this is this, they, they gave him a pass this year and he's, he's using it. <laughs> he is, <laughs> Fred, Fred, Fred is, Freddie is, is by trial and error. He's, he's going to figure out this job and, and it's been a lot of error. So you would have to think that by this time next year, you and I are singing a different tune. Right. And yeah, I mean, definitely sticking with the Freddie things. I have a couple more things on that, but you're right. And, and I read that same report and it, it makes you think about it like, okay. I mean, I guess, and like you said, we're also, we're obviously a little naive and optimistic. That's just what we do, but it, here's where I guess I got lost. So I'll look, you know, me, I mean, everyone out there knows I, I mean, I did a whole podcast about why we shouldn't fire Freddie. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I've, I've been on the, we're not firing this guy. I'm tired of firing head coaches train this whole time i've been defending the guy at every turn um the problem that i guess and again the Steeler game really opened my eyes to it is i just want to give the guy time to learn but i just don't see him learning and the one thing that really just it's stuck in my craw right now is you know as we mentioned he just you know we start out every game looking great because those scripted plays are amazing now, whether yep. that's on him or whether that's on Todd Munkin or whoever else, I don't know. But all I know is when it's scripted and it's supposed to happen, it's great. And then when Freddie's just calling plays, whether it's his emotions, whether he just is lost, I don't know. I mean, obviously, all of it's speculation, but that's when it seems like the game gets away from him. And yep, absolutely. The hundred, right? So, I mean, it's pretty obvious. So the fact that the guy just – refuses to run the football is just super, super troubling. And again, I think that has a lot to do with emotion, a lot to do with just not being able to rationalize and just control the game and and stay in the game and realize what's happening around him. But here's where he lost me. So after I was furious, because throughout the third and fourth quarter, I'm screaming for him to hand the ball off, especially when we got the interception. You know, when when Money Mitchell got that interception and got it back to the Steelers 30-yard line, I'm screaming for him to run the ball and he does three straight passes. We get sacked and we get nothing out of that interception. That was a gift of gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, after the game, um, he was only asked one question about running the ball in the second half because our reporters worry more about their TMZ reporting than actual football reporting. And all they cared about was asking why Demarius Randall wasn't there. That's but, another story, but yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. It's another episode. Yeah, right. No doubt. So, what um, bothers me was the one question he did get asked when he said, Hey, why you only ran it six times? Why his response was, well, with 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you're running out of time. So you don't have a lot of time to run the ball. You know, you got to make a big play. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. So let's go ahead and hit the rewind button and let's go back to the Seattle Seahawks game. And there's under two minutes to go in the second quarter. We're up by seven. I believe it was. We have the ball at the whatever. We're in the red zone. And on first down, he calls the pass play. It gets intercepted. Seattle comes down and scores before the half and gets the ball after the half. Now, we obviously were all super mad. And we're looking back on that. We're like, man, that lost the game. Well, Freddie was asked that after the game, why'd you do that? Why'd you call a pass play there? You don't think you should just run the ball and Hey, worst case scenario, you kick a field goal, you're up by two scores, and you go into the half up by two scores. Why didn't you do that? Oh, well, there was still a minute 55 to go in the game. I thought we could score and then stop them, get the ball back, and score again. 
Now, if that isn't just one side of the world to the other, I don't know what is. In one hand, he thinks we can score, stop a team, get the ball, score in under two minutes. And on the other hand, down by 10 with 13 minutes to go in a game, you can't run a handoff. Which, by the way, that doesn't even mention why we didn't run it in the third quarter. You know, we're not just talking about the last 13 minutes of game. I'm talking about the last 30 minutes of the game. You didn't run the ball. So that right there is right now just stuck in my craw, and I'm just chewing on it, and it's killing me. Well, one of the things I wanted to, to point out with, with respect to Freddie in those moments is one of the big reasons that everybody loved him when he got when he got promoted last year, first of all, and then he got hired as the head coach this offseason is he is so honest and authentic and true. Like every conversation that dude had, you, you knew he wasn't going to say anything that was false or right. lied. Like he was just – he put it all out there, wore his heart on his sleeve, and he talked like it, and, and that's extremely admirable, and that's, that's what you want out of a leader. Like you want to be able to just trust that he's going to tell you everything you want, that you need to hear whether or not it's good or bad or indifferent. Um, but I think the biggest problem is that as a head coach, you're under the microphone like four times a week. And in some of those moments, it's very, very high stress, high strung. And I don't think that he has the ability to speak truthfully anymore. And I think that's that to your point of those, those responses in his, his press conferences, it's he's got to try to sell something at this point. It's not necessarily speaking truthfully. It's I need to figure out how to give this response so that people don't scream at me and, and you know, all this vitriol comes my way. And, you, I mean, you nailed it, that the fact that it's, it's speaking on both sides of his mouth in these two respective press conferences. But I think that that's, that's sort of not him. And I, that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons why he's struggling as a head coach is he's not allowed to be himself in that respect. He's not he, every decision he makes is going to get scrutinized by a fine tooth comb and he's just used to just letting it fly and he gets in his own head. He, he, whether or not he's, he's focused on uh, trying to get the stats up for the particular players to make them happy or, or what have you, which I honestly just side tangent. I think that that's part of the biggest uh, concerns with him. Um, I think he's got a lot of pressure on him from not necessarily uh, like front office people, but from the players themselves is we got to get some people the ball. We got to, you know, get their stats up so that they're happy. And he abandons a lot of the, the, the game plan to, to make up for that. Um, but again, it's, it's, he, he seems like he's in his own head too much. And that's something that hopefully can be corrected. And I guess maybe I'm trying to, to, to be a sort of therapist for you here in this moment. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, I think that, that it, it, there are explanations for it. Whether or not they're right, is, it, it's tough to say because, you know, we're not with Freddie and we don't know what's going on in his head. We don't know who's in his ear, the, all the different coordinators with, with headsets on. So I don't know if, if he's getting bad information from some people. I don't know if he's uh, giving into the players too much to, to respect their, their numbers and, and what have you. But it, it, it is disheartening because again, it, the, the opening drives, I think they've scored in like seven of their first of their 12 games. They've scored on the opening drive. Like it's nothing. Yep. It's just their job. And, and then all of a sudden you start trying to game manage on top of it. And it's like, well, why did we do all of this? 
you know? Yeah, so like it it's, just falls it's off the tough. It's tough to defend. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Well, yeah. So, and to that, so then it just, every, like, to, you know, all the things you just said, like, in his own head, uh, worried about the player's stats, uh, you know, can't be himself, so it's kind of messing him up. Well, then, you know, I, then the question is then, is he head coach material or isn't he? And, and I mean, we're not going to know that. Like you said, we hope those would be correctable. You hope he would figure that out. It, the issue I have is it doesn't look like he's figuring it out. But then again, the guy hasn't even coached for one full season. Um, and as I stated, I was totally against firing the guy. I guess now I'm just starting to lean more towards the, okay, I don't want to stick with continuity just for continuity's sake. So if we make the decision to keep him, I, I guess what I fear is Hugh Jackson, right? We keep him, and then after four games, we're like, oh, that was the bad, that was the wrong idea. Uh, now we'll fire him. I don't want that. So now I'm like you said, it's such a fine line and I'm, I'm walking between the two because I, I don't want to fire him for the sake of firing him because here we are just screwing up another quarterback because we're giving Baker, you know, the Baker's going to be going into his third season next year. And we're going to give him four coaches. I mean, that's exactly. just insane. That, that track record doesn't play out very well when you research it as the players that go through that sort of thing. But right, right. I don't want to keep them for the sake of keeping them either. So now here I am caught in this turmoil. Like, I guess on the, on the one hand, Hey, I'm glad we're just fans and we can sit here and just talk on a podcast about it. Like I, I don't have to make that decision uh, as to who goes, but I'll, let me ask you this. Uh, this is a little synopsis. I came up with a little bit myself and a little bit of listening to people. A uh, little stuff I read was uh, get your input on this. You know, John Dorsey comes in. And, you know, here he is, uh, the new GM, and we have this offensive coordinator takeover and Freddie Kitchens, and we get this rookie quarterback in there and, and Baker Mayfield, and they light the world on fire, right? I mean, they look amazing. They look great. They light the world on fire. So imagine now if we went back, if John Dorsey had gotten rid of Freddie Kitchens. Everybody wanted Freddie, right? Let's just be fair, first of all. Yeah. Right? Everybody was on the Freddie bandwagon everyone wanted him because oh my god we had a quarterback he was performing well and we all said it was because of freddie kitchens so we were all on that so if if john dorsey was in the same mind frame as us hey yeah we we these guys look great together we got a pair john dorsey can go to jimmy haslam and be like hey look you know because i'm sure jimmy haslam obviously plays his part i mean he does own the team uh i'm sure it was like yeah hey john we, we should keep this guy i mean look look we, we finally have a good quarterback and a good offense we should keep this guy I could see them coming up with this little plan as to, hey, look, because if I'm not mistaken, Freddie Kitchen's contract is one year, right? No, I can't. I can't imagine it would be. I'm for some reason. I kind of think it was. I, I don't know off the top of my head if I'm being honest, well, but well, we'll have to we'll look into that. But sure, it, it's not it's not killer. But anyway, I still think it was John Dorsey says, OK, look, let's just see if we catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, it's not the most craziest thing for a GM to say, hey, I'm going to pair up this offensive coordinator who's on fire and this young rookie quarterback, and I'm going to pair him up and see what happens. I mean, teams all around the league would do that in a heartbeat. So he does that, but he does that in the vein of, Hey, guess what? If this doesn't work out though, then I get a chance to really pick my guy. So it almost would guarantee John Dorsey two head coach hirings, Freddie being the first, and now he'll get another shot. Cause I think that if, John Dorsey just came in and wiped the slate completely clean and picked his guy. That would be his only shot. 
and that coach gets two years tops, and if he fails, um, he's out, and John's out as well. Now they got to see whatever it is they want to see, whether that's the players or different, all these different aspects, uh, the the weaknesses and pros of Baker and everyone else on the on the roster. And now if they do decide to get rid of Freddie, John Dorsey gets his boom, this is my guy moment. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, I, I see the, the, the theory behind it. Um, touching on the contract thing without knowing all the details, I feel like if that was actually prevalent, we would have known by now if he's only under a one-year contract. That's probably true. I feel like that that would have been a point of emphasis from several no-name reporters that we all love. Um, they, they would have said, well, he's only under a one-year contract, so let's, he, he's definitely not going to get renewed by now or something along those lines. Um, That's very true. But again, without without knowing all the details, I, I can't say, you know, one way or the other. Um, and then just the way that you were kind of laying out that 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 theory in and of itself, it made me e- believe even more that John Dorsey and perhaps Dee and Jimmy had a conversation with Freddie and said, look, we're trying to catch lightning in a bottle here. So we're going to give you your shot. If, if we see progress or if we see X, Y, and Z through year one, we'll, we'll continue on with this and, and we'll see what we have going forward. But if, if it's just not something that works for everybody, then we're going to make a change. You know, maybe something along those lines. And, and they're really giving Freddie, like I said earlier in, the, in, in, the, in our discussion, like they're giving him a pass this year. Like if he shows enough to and I say enough, that's a relative term at this point, is if, if he shows enough that they can see success moving forward, maybe this like the success this year played no role in their decision. It's if they can see, all right, if, if they struggled through all of this this year just because he's a first-year head coach, then perhaps next year things will be different since he has right. the experience. And, that, and that's, I mean, I guess that's where I'm going with it. I, I have a hard time believing that, it was one and done from the, from the, the conversation. I have a hard time believing that he would be a lame duck coach from the day he got the job. And, and considering what he did to help the team last year, and considering the, the, the love affair that the city has with him, I, I can't see that organization, the, the, the front office saying, look, you're, you're on a one-year trial basis, and then if, if it's not working, you're gone. I, I see them being like, look, we're going to give you a year to figure this out and, you know, pray to God that, that it's not irreparable damage after that. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. You're right. I mean, that already would have came up. I, I should I didn't even think of it that way. Um, you're 100% right. And what's weird is as, as we're talking, I'm just over here like Googling Freddie Kitchen's contract, like typing that in. And quite honestly, I can't find most, most contracts for, for NFL head coaches are between three and five years from my understanding. Right. I mean, I know I would, I'm guessing, I mean, three would probably be make perfect sense, but yeah, I don't know why I thought or heard that. I don't know, but, 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 but to be fair on that, the other side of the coin is, you know, contracts are, are a moot point They you know, you, you can get, yeah. you can get fired after a year. We saw it with Rob Chudzinski and sure. And it just means that, yeah, you're going to get paid without coaching at that right. point, it's which Browns coaches are very used to. Yeah. But, I, but again, I can't see that being the, the, 
the idea behind this. Like, even yeah, though they're giving it to right. a very a very green head coach, um, I can't see them having the premise of, well, you better kick ass in year one or we're moving on so that John can get his guy. It's, it, that, that just – that sets everybody up for failure. And if they are doing that, then, then we're in a lot more trouble than I expect. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, that definitely – you're right. That, that I should have looked at it. Don't get way. don't don't get hooked by the trolls, man. <laughs> I know, I know, they're the worst. Um, so all right, well then the fact that so we we've beat Freddie up pretty bad. We've kicked him in the face. We've shoved. Him I still love him. him. I still love him. I still love him. There. There's no question. Obviously, I just wish uh, he was a better coach. I I do as well, and I just I wish he would start to learn from his mistakes, which is still possible, as we've talked about. So let's just get it down to the nuts and bolts. John, um, are you keeping Freddie Kitchens till next year if you're the GM of the Cleveland Browns? I have four more games to just, to figure that out. But that's fair. That being that being said, I, I I I'm leaning towards yes for more reasons than continuity being continuity. I think that there is a lot to be learned from this season. Um, it's disheartening to to know that a lot of these games were not just like they, they didn't just get away from us, but we actually lost them by coaching decisions and um, lack of discipline and lack of focus from players. And there, there are very tangible reasons that, that the Browns are sitting at five and seven. Um, and, and a lot of them aren't football related, which is right. very disappointing. Um, but on the other side of it is it is a first time head coach. He has a very, very outspoken and very, um, uh, what's the word I want to use here? A very uh, big group of, of players in that locker room that... Like big personalities? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. it, it there's just a lot of big personality. He's got a big personality, hell. Like, yeah, he really does. Uh, it, so there's a lot of, of, of personalities trying to co- coexist in that locker room and in that organization, in that environment. And I think they all sort of connected on that level of, you know, we, we heard it how many times Freddie's like, I'm going to let Odell be Odell. I'm going to let Baker be Baker because sure. that's yeah. when you're going to get the best out of them. And, and I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Cause if you're trying to force them to be robots, you know, because that's how you want to, to play, they're going to be unhappy. Regardless, like they could be, you know, lighting up the league with stats and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that that's all you're getting is stats and maybe wins. It's if you're not having fun at your job, you're not being you, especially the way that the players want to be so individualistic these days. And they want to express themselves in certain ways and ways I don't understand, but that's them. That's who they are. And Freddie was encouraging that and he was behind that and he was supporting that because he wanted his guys to play for him and he didn't want to have to. To, to, to give off like a a, a a mentality or a or a, you know sort of personality that that's not who he is and that if he's not being authentic they can't be authentic and and, and stuff like that so I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that um, because of you know those things it's it, it was such a very difficult road for him especially with the, the way the season started too. I mean, we haven't even touched on how difficult the schedule was to start the season. Right. Um, and to navigate it the way that they have. And, and it's been, again, disappointing that you left a few games out there. 
a few wins out there. Um, these are all valuable learning experiences in, in my estimation. And I believe that these conversations will be had in the, the coming weeks and months, not only for between the, the front office and Freddie, but the, the players and Freddie. And, and I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's one per, uh, uh, he's smart enough to enough now to know that there are things he could have done differently this year. And, and so many little things that, that, you know, this is a, a giant opportunity for everybody to look in the mirror and say, what can I do to improve upon this? And, Again, this may be na- me being naive and, and just <laughs> optimistic, but again, right, like, right. I, I, I lean towards the, the, the side of hanging on to him because these are fixable, um, these are correctable mistakes that have occurred throughout most of the season. It's disappointing that it hasn't been corrected during the season um, because we see it from our perspective as this, this is why the hell is this happening? Um, but with an off season and different kind of preparation and different kind of focus and approach, I, I can see them correcting it um, pretty with Freddie at the helm. And I know that was a super long winded response, but um, <laughs> that's all right. I mean, what is, uh, what, what's your take on it since, uh, since you asked? Well, so one thing I forgot to touch on and I'll bring this up because this is the one other thing that was really sticking in my craw and I, I skipped over it cause I got all wrapped up in my other uh, points, but, one thing, uh, you know, I understand Freddie's mantra of, you know, do your job and everyone do their job. And, and that's fine. That's I'm fine with that mantra. It's fine. And it obviously is rubbed off on Baker because, I mean, Baker uses it all the time in his yeah. uh, press conferences. So he obviously also believes uh, in that uh, statement. So that part's fine. But the one thing I think that bugged me a little bit was uh, going back to the Steeler game. And I meant to jump right into this. And I apologize. I have to backtrack now. But going back to when, um, you know, they weren't running the ball in the second half, um, you know, what I kind of tie together is when, when he's asked these questions and he uses that statement a lot, you know, one thing he says, he's like, look, you know, in pivotal parts of the game and, and when we, their plays are there, we got to take them. But he's like, you know, you, we got to do our job. We have to play better. We have to protect better. Uh, we have to do our job better. So, okay, that's fine if that's your mantra, but here's what I'm getting at is, you know, Baker in the second half was just dropping back and getting murdered back there. Okay. Like it was obvious that our backup left tackle and our starting right tackle could not block uh, Dupree and Watt. Okay, it was painfully obvious to all of us, which means it has to be obvious to Freddie Kitchens. So when Freddie Kitchens says, well, we have to protect better and we have to just do better. Well, the problem I think you have in that scenario is both of those players that are failing to protect are actually doing their job the best that they can. Mm-hmm. They're, they're up against the ceiling. They can't do it better. So if they can't do it better and you just keep running the same plays, I mean, obviously not the same play, but, you know, you keep dropping Baker back to pass and he continues to either get sacked or has to avoid being sacked. Therefore, the play goes awry. Like, that's just an issue for me. Like, it would be like me being on a basketball team and LeBron being my coach and him saying, well, look, on this next play, just drive down the lane, do a spin move, jump over the guy's head, double clutch, reverse dunk. Just do that. (laughs) (laughs) well i can't okay like i physically can't so that'd be like me looking at chris hubbard and say hey just on this next play block tj watt so he can't get to baker okay on this play block him better i'm pretty sure he was trying to block him better the whole time right just can't so i then get bothered by the fact that we 
we that Freddie refuses to then, I guess, adjust to that. So that's just another concern I have. Uh, that oh, just, right. And you, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So I wanted to put that in there. But I guess, like you said, I, I would love to take the scapegoat out and say, well, I got four more games to make that decision, John. I don't have to. Be tired <laughs> that. That's because that's the easy one. So if I in my head are just thinking that these last four games are going to go as uh, unfortunately predictable, I would say like we'll probably go two and two which means we'd win the exact amount of games as last year. And I don't really care about that so much. I'm not the person who puts a number on a season. Well, if we win nine games, you got to keep them. Or if we lose this, man, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just a piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie. Um, man, I would say right now today, I'd probably say fire. I mean, I just, I want to punch myself in the face for saying that. Wow. But yeah. I, I'm probably there now. Now, hopefully he can change my mind a little bit because the other aspect of that is, as you well know, I mean, I know I'm on social media a bit more than you are, but um, right now I would say the fan base is probably at least 80% wants to fire him. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot because, again, if you're the GM or the coach or whoever and you start thinking like the fans, what do they say? You're going to be sitting with them, right? Exactly. So you, it doesn't matter what the fan base wants because, look, especially our fan base, we – there was people who wanted to fire Freddie Kitchens after week two. I've actually gotten in conversations with people on Twitter in the last couple of days who tell me I knew after week two, he wasn't a good head coach. That's ridiculous. So I understand, as you just said, way at the beginning of this podcast, fan is short for fanatic. Unfortunately, some of those fanatics just don't have also a whole lot of, <laughs> of patience or slash. I don't want to say knowledge. Cause I'm not trying to insult anybody, but they just lack the whole concept of like, you can't just, fire people like it's a video game you know it's, <laughs> it's it's real life and you know firing a coach is not only a big deal in the world uh, of sports but it's also a big deal as we already mentioned uh in the production and growth of our quarterback exactly and, and I, I was just about to touch on that it's that that'd be four coaches in three seasons for baker mayfield yeah that's and, ridiculous and, and again i think that's another uh, that's another ch- uh, chalk mark in the, the keep them side is look, you've had a, an opportunity to build a relationship with our franchise quarterback. Um, we're going to give you the, the opportunity that you certainly deserve to keep that going and hopefully right the ship. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent it's again, I hate to say it that I would fire him. Maybe I'd say I'd keep them. Maybe I can't answer it till we play four more games. But just, but just watch on Sunday. If, if playing the Bengals on Sunday, they might light it up for for forty five points and, and get a big win, and everybody's smiling on Monday. And it's like, yeah, Freddie had it all along, you know. It's, <laughs> right. The 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 cliche. It's a week to week league. Is is it's no more prevalent than it is this these days because everybody's got an opinion now and everybody's got a show about it to discuss their opinion. And everybody's got a, a, some sort of uh, Twitter or whatever they want to do to, to, to express their thoughts. And it's, it, it's, yeah, it's a week to week league for, for that alone. And, and I mean, obviously growing up when, when social media wasn't around, we didn't know the, the enormous impact that each game held. Right at that point either. So it's, it's, it's just magnified so much now because there's so much available to everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, 
he could that they can light it up on Sunday and all is going to be well and and everyone's going to switch their their tune and they'll at least feel to, better. Yeah, it's like oh okay, well we you know, it was our, and then it'll actually because it's the Bengals be like oh well it was the Bengals. Yeah, of course, yes, because I say that and not and knock on wood, you know, <laughs> I didn't just I didn't just screw it up, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm never gonna live that down if that happens. Well, don't uh, I will not. Uh, as I've learned a long time ago, uh, even though I still have obviously my, um, you know, superstitions and what have you, I still got to remember to tell myself if there was anything I could do that would affect the outcome of the Browns game, we would have found out a long time ago. Because I've tried, <laughs> I have tried everything you can try. You know, I on that just to to lighten it up. I, I tried so many things, and it's like so many different things have changed between games and days and years that it's impossible to to keep that exactly the same every time. It regardless, is. yep, you're right. It is. I said, and, and on that note, I did my uh, my dryer thing. Yeah, for for those listening, I'll throw a few jerseys in the dryer because um, I won't know what to wear on a particular game day. And I'll open the dryer door without looking. I'll grab whatever one comes out. That's what I'm wearing. Um, I did that for this past Sunday. And then I made a game time decision and switched. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the blame on that. So there it is. I mean, there it is. It's laid out right there for you. That's what happened. (laughs) I mean, I mean, forget the the last hour of stuff we just talked about. Right, right. It's not Freddie's fault. It's not Baker's fault. It's my it's fault. It's not the play calling. It's not. It's your dryer. It's you, your dryer, and your jerseys. I mean, that's I know. you know. I mean, but I'm with you. I mean, my goodness, I I can't tell you how much I labor over what I'm gonna wear for a game, whether it's at home or whether I'm going to the stadium. Like, what's gonna be the top layer? What's gonna be the thing? What's I mean, it's it's what's gonna what's gonna get them to win yeah it's a painstaking process (laughs) even though it's like i want to tell myself you know it doesn't matter chuck you've tried everything because you wore this and they won but then you wore this and they lost it doesn't matter yet it matters in the moment when you're doing it (laughs) it does matter it's completely ridiculous but (laughs) well i think um you know we have beat the browns to death and uh they deserved it so that's fine uh as i (laughs) I agree Little favorite meme I always use, uh, just because I'm mad at you, it doesn't mean I stopped caring. So Exactly. I am mad at the Browns, but it doesn't mean that we've stopped caring. Uh, you know, uh, the reason why, like, I wanted to do this podcast a few days ago, and I don't know. I, maybe I'll ask your opinion right now, like, on the spot here real quick before we try to wrap this up a little bit because I'm sure we're killing people by now. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I think I should do the podcast, maybe not the, the day of the game, but I should do it the next day. And on the other hand, sometimes I like to wait like this to where I can be a little more rational and I can also get a lot more facts and input from the game that happened. Um, I've kind of weighed those options and I've done it both ways. And sometimes I feel when I've done it right after the game, like say on a Monday, if we played Sunday, I do it on Monday. I feel like by the time I get to today, like Wednesday or Thursday, I feel like, oh, there's so many more things I would have said now because my brain has calmed down. I've become more rational. I've listened to so many more things and read so many more things. So I feel like I have much more perspective and input. But on the other hand, I feel like if I did it right after, A, people might be more interested because it's also they're still fired up about it like I am. And 
uh, also maybe I'd be more entertaining because I'm more pissed. I don't know. What, <laughs> what, what, I don't know what you think would be a better uh, you know, way to tackle that. Well, depending on how well this one does, um, <laughs> considering we've been rolling for an hour. Yeah. Um, if, if we decide to, to continue this, if you'll have me for, for more shows moving forward. Yeah, right. Do something like a uh, day after the game or a couple days after the game and then another one leading up to the weekend. Yeah, we might need for to example. start. Maybe we'll so, have to do so, it more closer to the game. So instead of you and I talking for an hour and, and turning some people off by, by this <laughs> point, maybe, um, we cut, cut it into two different recording sessions, two different shows, so that we do like a post-game response within the, you know, a couple days after the game. Or, you know, later in the week, we do a follow-up to anything else that might have come that we didn't mention in the first one. And then, a, you know, maybe a preview to the next game. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree. I think that's a good approach. And I think this at, one also... Ask your, ask your followers for their input and see what they think as well. Yeah, I definitely will. I'll have them all uh, do that. Which, speaking of that, uh, way to uh, transition into that, John, it's excellent. It's a good job out of you. Uh, <laughs> Um, again, tell me what you guys think. Twitter, Facebook, uh, email, all that stuff. I gave it to you at the beginning. Chuck talks a lot at gmail.com talking sports and stuff and things with Chuck. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Chuck go Browns, all that good stuff, or go to Chuck talks You can message me right from the website, all that good stuff. But yeah, um, I think this one carried over a bit long just because look, it's our first episode doing this and we needed a nice, good episode episode full of just cleveland browns truth serum for us and everybody out there is a little bit of therapy we had to cover a whole lot of stuff in an hour we could go for another hour i, I don't even doubt that uh, i haven't even touched on half of the things i had prepared oh there's no question because it just gets away from you that's what happens every time i start yammering on yeah. so 100 percent. so we'll, we'll, we'll save those we can't we don't want to cover them all right here uh because mainly we can't so um <laughs> i mean i could we could sit here and do this forever because that's what we do but Right. So I think that's a good stopping point. We'll end it where we both feel them, Freddie. You say you think you're leaning towards keeping them. I'm probably leaning towards firing them. We're going to visit that each week now uh, because, unfortunately, that's, <laughs> where <we are. laughs> that's where we are. So we'll visit it. You know, Freddie, stay or go, right? As we love, oh, as we love to hear. Freddie, stay or go, as one of our just favorite radio shows loves to put things. But uh, we'll leave that alone. So anyway, John, anything else you'd like to say before we – sail off into the sunset for the night no no i appreciate the 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 chance to to join you on this and and hopefully that there's more to come yeah uh it was super awesome i completely enjoyed it it was everything i thought it would be and so much more so um yeah thanks for coming thanks for uh listening everybody uh john thanks for the time so uh we'll be talking again soon you guys will get more dose of uh john and chuck whether you like it or not it's coming at you so um (laughs) Other than that, uh, we will uh, probably reconvene here. If not before uh, the weekend, we'll definitely be back right after the Browns take on the Bengals at the stadium on Sunday. I'll see you all there and um, get at me as soon as you can. Otherwise, like I always say, don't look down on someone unless you're picking them up. Y'all be good. See ya.